Welcome to the house of the Lord, and I know it's nice and toasty here. You better not fall asleep on me. Uh, yeah, righty, yeah, I know. So yeah, turn off that heat. I'm already hearing the snores. So I want to thank you for coming today. God is good, and uh, we are uh, doing uh, part two for uh, Discover. And it's, this part is intent to read the word. Uh, we've been given a, a challenge for those that weren't here since New Year's Eve, uh, New Year's Day. We were given a challenge to do a 100-day a faith challenge to put into practice these things that we probably should know and probably should be practicing and have not. And there are many reasons why. And so last week we talked about, okay, how do we discover you know, the intent to grow. How do we discover what does that really mean? And last week we talked about how it, 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 it's about pursuing, it's about seeking, putting God first in all things. And you and I know, if we're really honest, there's a whole lot of distractions that come to get us for us to do that. Amen? And I think we have to start with that honest assessment that life in itself comes to grab us in every way, shape, or form, and our affections are easily given away. Amen? So we are a together intent intentionally moving forward, and that's what intent means. We are resolved together to determine to go forward in the next hundred days to develop such a quality of spiritual disciplines that we would, it would affect our abilities to walk with God. You know, the greater that we understand here, the greater that we come to him. And I have to tell you, there are times, you know, it doesn't take much. I was talking about distractions. I walked in here today, and I'm pretty sure like three, four people watched me, and they, they thought that I had a cat, a cat fighter something. If you notice, I have, I have scabs in my face. And so I just wanted to just, you know, just tell you, no, I did not have a cat fight. And no, I, I'm okay. And, and, but it's amazing how some things just can happen because, you know, normally I don't have little scabs on my face. And so, but today I do. And so all of you went, oh, you're just like, oh, you know, going, it's okay. <laughs> I just went to the doctors. That's it. We're good. But, you know, so it's easy for us to get distracted, to get pulled away from from that direction. So today, hopefully my face won't distract you too much, but you will be able to really just focus on what God has this day. Amen. Today we're going to discover why is it important that we read the word? Why is it important that it's in our life? Why is it as part of that challenge? If we bring this into this challenge, what is it going to do? Is it going to enhance our ability to win this spiritual fight and to, you know, to, to uh, equip us in the days to come? I believe yes. You know, I wanted to share a story with you and an illustration of, uh, you know, what happened to us a few weeks ago. Uh, Pastor Glenn uh, fell, um, had, um, went off the road. Yes, he was fine. He went off the road, uh, and he got stuck in a ditch. And uh, he couldn't find his CAA card. And so he phoned the second best thing, his wife. <laughs> and so he says to me, could you go to my office and look at the, the, the letter that they sent me? I have my new number on that. Can you go and get it? Well, I don't know. If, have any of you have been in the office lately? Ah, uh, so some of you really know what I'm talking about today. For, for Glenn, it's beautiful chaos. It's beautiful for him. For me, less than beautiful. And so it was so chaotic when I walked in there and he told me, Go, it's right there. It's right before you. 
<laughs> I'm on the phone going, I'm not too sure, I'm not too sure. You see, he needed that number because that was the solution to his problem. He needed to phone CEA to get him out of the ditch, but he needed that sheet of paper. And to my dismay, uh, sadly, I didn't find it until after the fact, and it was right there before me. <laughs> I, I was really sad. But the tragedy is that most of us need solutions to our problems, and we already have the answer to that problem, and it's secured in the Word of God. See, as CAA was Glenn's solution to his problem, we have God's Word as a heavenly roadside assistance for us. And I know that if we started picking it up and we started reading it and using it and then obeying it, we would come along, he would come alongside us and help and provide us everything we need no matter what we're going through. CAA can just do a small thing, but the God that I talk about today can do pretty much everything. So we have to see that there's a connection between the Word of God and knowing God. So I want to start off with the last verse I did last week, which is Psalm 910. Henry Blackaby says this, listen carefully. Recognizing God is not the same as coming to him. Hearing God in your heart is not the same as answering. Working for the kingdom of God does not mean you're living in the kingdom of God. Christianity is not believing the truths of the Bible. It's acting upon them and allowing God control of your life. You must respond to God and make the choice to interact personally with him. How do you think we interact personally with him? It's the word of God. And so do you see the, the, the dichotomy, the, the, the difference, the paradox there, that just because we recognize God doesn't mean that we're coming to him. And just because we hear him doesn't mean that we follow through. Are, are we getting this? And so Christianity is just not believing truth. It's really a, acting upon it and allowing God to do that. But how do we actually know what to act upon? How do we know how to let God, you know, lead us, and how do we follow him? It's really about response. We respond to God by actively pursuing him and his ways. And the word of God is key when it comes to seeking him. You see, you can't stay neutral with this. And you're going to see, my job today is to show you the importance of the word of God in our challenge. If you're going to do this challenge with us and you're going to put the word of God on a side, I can guarantee you, you probably won't make the 100-day challenge. The word of God should be fundamental in our lives, and yet maybe we need to go back to the basics about the Word of God. So the key question is, is what is the Word of God? You're going, oh, come on, let's not go back so basic. Yes, we do. So God's Word is found in the Bible. It's our manual. It's our blueprint as believers. Through the Bible, we can now know about God's character and nature, his teachings to us, his will. We can know what is right and wrong and how we walk our Christianity, how we do this in, in, in order to glorify him, in order to please him, but also in order to understand who he is. Because the Bible is not just all of the do's and don'ts. It's really the rich history of God's people that we could learn and bring to us today. 
And so we need to understand the word of God is really key in our challenge. So the word, it, and it's pretty amazing because it even says in John 1.1, 1, 1, he says, the word of God was there from the beginning. John 1.1 1, 1 and 2 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 2, he was with God in the beginning. Now, if you get that, he was with God in the beginning. He is talking about Jesus. The whole Bible is about Jesus. And here he says in John 1:14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, and the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, knowing the Bible more is really coming to know Jesus Christ as the Son of God in a deeper way. Jesus was actually the word that was sent, the last word that was sent to mankind. He came in by flesh to show us and reveal to us the Father and how deeply he loves us. So what you need to know this morning, that the Bible is not just a book that we should read and just forget about. There is no other book in the world today that has this kind of power and effectiveness. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than, than any two-edged sword, piercing even uh, to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is, is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the hearts. Worsby says this, God uses the word to enable us to see the sin and the unbelief that's in our heart. You see, our hearts are wicked above all things. We actually are so very, very blinded to what, what, what animates us. And without the word of God, you know, I, I hear the solemnness in my head where he says, you know, I have hidden the word of God in my heart so that I may not sin against you. You see, he understood the quality and the force and the power of the word of God. Psalm 119 says, the word is a lamp to my feet. And we need to understand the importance because when, when he says that the word, when we put up the word, when we read the word, it gives, it shows us the intent of our heart. It could be the reason why we don't like it, but I think the one thing, the reason why we feel condemned when we read the word is because we don't understand the love behind it. You see, God doesn't, you know, when he exposes us, it's not for judgment and it's not for punishment. It's actually for freedom. He wants to restore and bring healing to our life. So Wiersbe continues, he says, The word exposes our hearts, and then if we trust him, the word enables our hearts to obey God and to claim his promises. This is why we should be diligent to apply ourselves to read, to hear, and to obey God's word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and to equip his people to do every good work. Why wouldn't we want to go to the word to see and to seek counsel and to find out what's God's heart for our chapter in life? Why is it that we have such a hard time? See, every chapter, every verse, there is a purpose and a reason for it. 
Sometimes the purpose for the word is to bring discipline because God says you are his children and he loves you. Sometimes it's to bring healing and comfort and to protect us. And so every time we choose to go to other things instead of the word of God to find direction and guidance, we might be losing out on the healing and the comfort thing. God is able. The Bible is God's love letter to us, which reminds us that after all, after all that is said and done, God loves us no matter what. But do, do we really know that? See, the bottom line is that the purpose of the Bible is to give us all instructions for Christian living that glorifies God. The Bible equips us to serve God and makes us complete. Many of us are walking, limping, beloved, because we do not see the value of the word of God in our life. We don't see the connection of knowing God and pursuing him, knowing God and walking rightly, knowing God and loving him as we should. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says this, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it. You see the response? You welcomed it, not as the word of man, but as, as it is in truth. The word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. See, the word of God effectively works in us. Do you see why the enemy wants you out? Do you see why it keeps you distracted? Do you see why he puts the cloak of condemnation over you and oppression? Do you see why when you read the word, you go, you fall asleep? Mm, it's called spiritual slumber. Because, you know, you could read the newspaper and you don't even actually blink. But when you come to the word of God, you have a hard time concentrating, you have a hard time understanding, a hard time, hard time. And so Dr. Evans says this, the way one, one responds to God's word has significant effect, effects on one's life. Remember last week my quote, your life tells me a story. I read a story every day as I look at your life. There are evidence of people who are in their word because they start reflecting the one that they serve. The Bible says that we are blessed when we respond. Luke eleven twenty eight says, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. If and when we respond to his word, the word sustains us, it purifies us, it soothes us, it comforts us, it strengthens us, it gives us guidance for daily living. And you're saying, well, you know, what's going on? Because I don't get all of that every day. It's because somewhere down the road, we didn't see the importance of the word of God. We don't see it as important because when we make our decision and we don't even think twice about eternity stuff, it's because we have not understood the value of the, of the word of God in our lives. See, the word comes, it strengthens us and it gives us guidance, but it also helps us to understand God's will and his purpose in our life. It also is a powerful tool against the enemy and the warfare we experience every day. Am I the only one that experiences warfare, turmoil in my mind at times? You're going, whoa. Yes, the enemy does a tremendous job at bringing accusations to the brethren. But we have a tool, beloved, that we can fight him very effectively with it. And when we are down and out and struggling, the word of God is the last 
last thing that we yield to. It's the last thing that we seek. And that has to change in this 100 challenge because I want to show you the importance of the word of God. Can you see it, beloved? Can you see the connection? Why we need to resolve to read it. Why we need to hear it, listen, follow, and obey it. In order to experience God in a deeper way, the word of God will be right front and center. It will bring us to a deeper relationship with God and help us to fully mature in Christ. So many of us, we should be teachers by now, but because we have not seen the importance of the word of God, because we are not trained or skilled in the word. We find ourselves distracted and moved away and greatly shaken when some emotion rises up, when a phone call happens, when a situation happens, when pain comes around. Beloved, we have to understand the word of God is powerful and active. So why do we marginalize the word of God in our life? The word marginalize, big word, what it means is it, 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 the word becomes a place with very little importance, very little influence, and very little power. There was a quote that I want to share with you which says this, spiritual growth cannot happen when God's kingdom and his ways are marginalized in a life. So let me ask you, how important is the word of God to you? Does it mean anything to you? Do you consider, consider it crucial to your living? Be honest as I'm saying these questions. Can you do that for me? When you hear the word of God in church or hear the word being preached on a radio or television or you're reading your Bible at home, what importance do you attach to it? Or is it just mere words or mere emotion that you do because you were told to? These questions are very important because the answer you give tells a lot about where you are in life today and the direction of your life. It tells a whole lot. Your attitude to the word of God also tells me a lot about your relationship with God. If you value God in your life, you'll value his word. I've seen way too many people say that they're too busy for the word of God. I have to tell you, value means that you put a lot of worth to it. But sometimes it's because we don't know what the word of God can do for us. Why don't we value God's word in our life? Well, I'm going to share with you, as I did last week, the different reasons why we could not pursue. Do you remember the different reasons why we couldn't pursue last week? Sin, disobedience, rebellion, rebellion <laughs> unbelief, pride. You see, all of those things keep us very self-focused, keep us unteachable. And those things can fall on this one too, but I want to show you several things that will cause you not to see your value in the Word of God. It is actually a wrong view of God. We all come to God with a view of Him. I did. But as I started being a studier of God's word, I realized a lot of my view of God was not based on the word of God. It was based on my past, based on my environment, my family of origin. And I love my family and I loved where I lived and everything else. But the fact was, is when I started putting it against the word of God, my views did not match him. 
I had to start going after those things. There was a quote that I saw again that says, we tend to put God in the box and see him through our own lenses instead of studying who he actually is and his characteristics. So when we do this, when we don't actually be honest that we have a wrong view, because really a wrong view, again, your life tells me a story. And when you have a wrong view, your life will show it to me. Because a lot of times people have a wrong view of God's love or his forgiveness. When you don't understand that you've been completely forgiven, what you're going to do in your place of struggle or failure with sin, you will live in a place of oppression and condemnation and very little joy. Because you've never understood that Jesus did the complete work for you. That if you confess and you agree with God and you surrender and you repent, forgiveness is there for you as a believer of God. It is there because God's love states it, that no matter what happens, he will pursue us and he will never stop. We understand, too, that if we have our own view, that means we will see things through our own lenses. Very risky, beloved. If we recreate, what happens is that we recreate God in our own image. It's very subtle, but if I did not want to say no to all of the stuff that I had picked up over a period of a lifetime and realized about what my view was in regards to my circumstances, in regards to church, in regards to authority, guess what? Did you know I was super rebellious to authority? And I never really understood the importance of it because I did not experience good authority when I was a little girl. And when I came to the Lord, I loved him, and I I, I, I let go of many, many things, but there were subtle attitudes that I didn't understand wasn't lining up to the word of God. And I said to myself deep down inside, I even said it out loud, I would never actually follow anybody. I will never submit to earthly authority. I'm only going to submit to God. It sounded so good to my ears. But if you are a seeker of God and a studier of his word, that word will come and will open itself to you. And God will point you at Romans 13 and Hebrews 13 and Deuteronomy and all the other ones that just expose that sin for what it is. You see, when I have an issue with submitting with authority on earth, it's because the reality is is that I have an issue with So for me, I realized I needed a lot of healing because I didn't want to recreate God. My lens was already foggy, and I needed to change it, so I needed to go after it. See, if we redefine the Lord as a God that makes us feel comfortable, a permissive buddy who exists simply to bless us and to give us what we want, we will not value his word because ultimately we don't really know him. Jeremiah 2.13 says this, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. When we fail to understand the obedience of the word of God means that if you keep on putting and setting, it, setting up your own standard, because that's what rebellion does, it's not teachable, and it also sets up its own standard. What do you think are you doing when you're setting up your own standard? You're creating for yourself your own God. 
And so if you do, remember all of the things that I was telling you about? You know, God purifies the word, purifies. It makes us whole. It sanctifies us. It comforts us. It strengthens us. It gives us wisdom. All of those things will not happen with you. God will not change who he is. Do you understand that, beloved? He loves us enough to not keep us where we are. So I was ready to build that cistern, but when I saw this verse, for me, I understood many years ago, cisterns with cracks, that means water will never be able to be retained. I don't know, life is hard, and I realized, God, I'm not departing from the living God. You go after pretty much everything in my life that doesn't line up to this word. I didn't know how seriously he would take that prayer. And let me tell you, he brought me through a whole slew of things to put that to test. See, I think the biggest, biggest culprit of denying the importance of the word of God is the lack of the fear of God, the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1.7 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of knowledge. That knowledge is a different word. It talks about coming to terms and acknowledging who God is. All right? The beginning of that is the fear of the Lord. And then he goes on. He says, fools, despite wisdom, despise wisdom and instruction. See, the beginning of knowledge is about an awareness that God is much bigger than you. It's an awareness that he is sovereign, almighty, all-powerful. The fear of the Lord doesn't mean that you have a cringing fear of God, but it does mean that you are continuously aware of his presence and that that awareness of his presence naturally affects everything that you do. You see, if I have to convince you of what you're doing is wrong, you got to understand you have absolutely no fear. The fear is that the awareness of that, this doesn't line up to God. When I keep on doing this, it doesn't glorify God. It doesn't please him. It doesn't even, it doesn't even show that I love him or that I'm serving him. So the fear of the Lord makes me more aware of my story, of how I respond and how I react and how I, I walk this thing out. And that's why it's the beginning of wisdom. See, all of this, when, when we know, when we are aware of his presence, it, like I said, it affects everything that we do, but it affects every attitude and action in our life. See, again, the fear of the Lord does not mean that we are supposed to walk around terrified of God all the time. No, the wrong view of God makes you do that. It doesn't mean that we should walk with a, it does mean, I should say, that we should walk with a continual conscious awareness of his presence, which causes us to live and act rightly. You want to know if you fear the Lord, check out your story. Check out your life. Your life will dictate if you actually the fear of the Lord, your obedience level, your ability to pivot and to shift and to let God overrule your decisions and your actions. You see, that's what the fear of the Lord, that awareness does, is that I want this. And then God comes and he says, will you do this for me? And I went, but God, I want this. But the fear of the Lord, the awareness, the consciousness that his presence is there and he goes before me, makes me yield every time. 
It was slow going at the beginning. Oh, Mrs. Turtle here, let me tell you, I would just, you know, bring my head in and say, no, I'm not doing this. And then little by little, I felt his love. And little by little, his goodness led me to repentance. Oh, I am so good. So, not me, he's so good. And I'm so glad he's so good. <laughs> Whew, I have to watch out. One of the evidence of the fear of God you know, again, just before that, I don't know if I put it on the PowerPoint or not. He says he is, when we know that, that, that he, his presence, we're aware of it, that he's always with us, and that we, that we are accountable to him for everything we think, say, and do. Have you ever considered that? We are accountable to him. Everything we say, think, and do. This makes me want to always want to follow him. Am I foolish at times? You bet. I can write a book. But at every turn, when God reveals himself to me, now I need to respond. You see, a lot of you have been already given a revelation of what you need to do, whatever it is, your marriage, your children, or whatever, friends, or whatever. God says, this is the way you should go. Will you follow? And a lot of us, we think we have actually a choice in that. (laughs) Yeah, we do. But unfortunately, if we don't choose God's path, it usually does bring a lot of destruction. Amen? So one of the evidence of the fear of the Lord is that you know one day you will stand accountable before God. Romans 14, 11, 12 says this. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God one day, one day. So then each of us will give an account of ourself to God. Does that mean I'm going to give an account about Erica? Nope. Does that mean I can use other people's failures to say, hey, God, nope. Can I blame it? Nope. God is going to ask me for an account of myself. Ecclesiastic 12, 14 says this, For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. So guess what? Just because I haven't been aware that you are doing it, God does. He's aware of all things. You see that awareness, that conscious ability to understand God is everywhere. And you know, it's not because you shun or you get, no, you see, I don't want to lose that closeness I have with God. The fear of the Lord makes sure that I get rid of everything that goes against him. And little by little, he rubs and he brings people to just show me and to sanctify and to restore me. That's what he does. See, without the fear of the Lord, we make final decisions based on our faulty human understanding. Are you getting this? Our faulty human understanding, our faulty human compassion, mercy, which brings nothing of life. When we incorporate the fear of the Lord uh, into every moment of our lives, we make decisions based upon his approval. Oh, let me tell you, remember my identity issues caused me to worry more about men's approval than I did with God's approval. And one day in 2009, God showed me Ezekiel 2 and 3 when it came to me as being a leader with you. He told me that in the day that I see things happening in his people's lives, that my job was to deal with it, to bring truth, to bring uh, truth to someone who is opposing truth. And I, I understood. He said, if you do not do it, their blood will be on your hand. Fear the Lord. Joink. 
So for you guys who think that I love conflict, think again. What causes me to do it over and over and over and over again is because of that verse. We live with the knowledge that the creator of the universe is intimately involved in our every move. He sees, he knows, he evaluates our choices, and we will answer to him. Uh, Proverbs 9.10 says, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. So because I started going towards that awareness and understanding what was right and what was wrong, God started building a foundation under me, beloved. And that foundation was unshakable no matter what I went through. And most of you know I've gone through quite a bit. And yet no matter what happens, I remain unshakable. Why? Because of the fear of the Lord. See, the knowledge of the whole Holy one results in what? Good judgment. When the reality of God's true nature has caused us to fall down in worship, we are then in the right position to gain wisdom. What is wisdom, beloved? Wisdom is merely seeing life from God's perspective and responding accordingly. How do we see life without the word of God? How do we get God's perspective? You come here just on Sunday and getting just this perspective? It's not enough. It's not enough. You understand. This is not enough. It says, when wisdom is a priority and we are told to seek it above all things, meaning looking at what's God's perspective in this. When something happens, this is my challenge to you. And you know something will happen, eh? Because we don't live in a, in, on an island. And you, last time I checked, you have animals, you have spouses, children, co-workers. All right. Okay, God will use everything. I'm going to ask you, instead of going in your own human faulty thinking and understanding, ask the Lord, God, what's your perspective? But I'm going to ask you to wait and seek the word to make that connection. He'll do it for you. He'll do it for you. Fearing God is knowing God, and this is where true wisdom lies. Fearing him is knowing God, and that's where wisdom lies. Proverbs 2.25, and I'm coming to an end. Aren't you happy? And none of you fell asleep today. I don't know about the people online, but I just know you guys are still with me. But it says here, then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord, and you will what? Gain the knowledge of God. You see, it's not a negative, it's a positive. And the more the fear has increased in my life, the more the understanding of who God was affected my life and how I responded, reacted to decisions and the choices I've made. That is the only reason that you could read my life and it could tell you a story. Not because of anything that I do, it is because I respond to truth. Blackaby asks us to do this. When, you come, when it comes to the word of God, you need to be moldable and responsive to it. So many of us in our rebellion, we stay stubborn. So many of us in our pride, we're very, very self-sufficient. And so many of us, because we have a wrong view of God, we don't even go to him in the word. And so many of us, because we have no fear, we're like mules, we keep on going in the same direction, even though life doesn't change. I'm going to ask the worship to come up.
to have the fear of the Lord means to know him, to acknowledge him in every situation in your life. That's our challenge for the next 100 days. Well, less now. But, and I didn't say years. Yeah. Listen, someone came to me last week to correct me, but he said, well, maybe it wasn't a mistake. Maybe it's going to take us 100 years to get it. I choose not to believe that. But <laughs> he's a smart dude. But uh, I know that God is on the move. I know that he's actually, as I was speaking today, he was putting his finger in different attitudes, different thought patterns that you've been actually entertaining, different actions and different responses that you know in your heart you've had, you've had a conviction. I, I'm, is someone here? Did, did, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. See, this is good. When that stops, you need to be worried. See, the Holy Spirit, who is sent by God to use the word in our conscience to bring us to all freedom, that's what he does. He uses our events in our life. Now today, I want you to stand. Let me ask you, is the word of God important? All right. See, the word is truth. It's an objective standard by which we should be measuring our life. But beloved, that is why the church has lost its saltiness, why it's lost its power, why Christianity has no substance. It's lost its power because its people have failed to line themselves up to the very word of God they say they're following. And now we have this awesome privilege to say, God, here I am. God, I didn't realize the value of your word, how it would help me to move in that place of victory. Who wants victory today? Who wants healing? Who wants freedom? The word of God is where you're going to get it. We need to acknowledge God in all of our ways, in the way that we're walking, according to the word of God. In other words, this is it. Everything you do should be affected by the fact that you acknowledge God. Everything you do. Those nasty comments, everything you do. The nasty anger and irritability that comes out, everything you do. Every area of your life should be impacted by the fact that there is a God. This is basically another way of saying you are walking in the fear of God. Everywhere you go and everything you do, you are aware of God. And that is something that we have to start learning how to do. Some people believe that Christianity is that we make a decision for Jesus as our Savior. We get baptized. We go to church a few times a month. We wait until we get to heaven, and we don't realize that nothing affects our life. And when people read your story, they don't see Christ in your story. But that's not the Christianity I'm preaching today. Jesus said, we must deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow me. 
That means we are to be committed and commit all of our life to him. It means we are to see what we see in Proverbs 1, that everything we do, we need to walk under that banner. God, show me your perspective. It means to acknowledge him in all of your ways. And the last quote I'm going to give you is that Christianity should affect every area of your life, not just an hour or two a week, all of your ways. I have seen marriages be restored. I have seen this stubborn heart softened and yield to a God who loves me and who has a plan and a purpose for my life. I have seen the impossible happen. I've seen people healed. I have seen people get awakened, get revived for the Lord. I have seen people come from a place of tremendous turmoil and get restored and healed in a moment of time. This is the power of Christianity. This is the power, the message of Christ. But we as a people, we need to repent because we have marginalized. We have not seen or put the importance of the word of God first and foremost. We actually let our life, our understanding dictate how we're going to do life. And many of us have suffered because of it. Heard this this conversation with this guy who who is asking why why is God not stopping this war in the Ukraine? And the guy answered him very softly. He said, "God won't stop it because He didn't start it. It was men." who have chosen to go to their own wisdom and their selfish ways to bring something in without bringing God. See, many of you are praying, God, when is my marriage going to heal? I've been praying for 16 years. Do you not know he's already gave you the answer? Many of us, we have to stop praying when God has already showed us. We have to do now. God won't stop it until you start responding to his word, beloved. If he says, love your wife as Christ loved the church, then that's sacrificial, beloved. You can't do it in your own strength. You got to do it in the strength of God. When he says to women, women, be submitted and respect and honor your husband. Trust me when I tell you, I had a fine disdain for men because of the sexual abuse I went. But God sovereignly said, if you give me your heart, I will give you my ways and I will change the way you see men. And let me tell you, I value the importance of men in my life. I value the authority over my life because it brings protection and love. Many of you need to come to this place today and what you do is you just come, God, here I am. I'm coming home. God knows how to bring his children home, doesn't he? Uh, He's bringing you home today and he's saying, you come to my compassion, my forgiveness, my love for you and I will restore you. Yes, yes, it'll be hard, but trust me, I will give you the power and the enablement to do what I've asked you to do. Don't wait for somebody else, beloved. If he's spoken to you, you do it. Come to the altar as we sing this song. Hallelujah. We are told in Ephesians 6 that We are to stand, brethren, 
in the might and the power of the Lord. And then he says, put on the full armor. The full armor is about the, the belt of truth, the sword of the word, and the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to move and navigate. These resources are not just for anybody. They're only for the children of God. So today, if you have not made a decision, let me tell you that God wants you to have a real lasting peace through your relationship with Jesus. But God's purpose of life and peace is there, but he sends you an invitation. He says that God so loved you that he sent his son to make a way for you. He says, I have come to give you life and to give it more abundantly. So what keeps us from having that life God planned for us is the problem, is the big problem. It's our sin that separates us from God. God created us in his image. He gave us his, a will and the freedom to choose. And when we choose to disobey, we choose not to have that life of peace. For all have sin and fall short of the glory of God. Our choice is the sin that separates us from God. People have tried many bridges to gap between themselves and God, and nothing works. There is no bridge that brings you to God except for one, and that bridge is the cross. Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave, and when he did, he paid the penalty of sin, and the gap between us and God was diminished. It was, it was over. For there is one God, one mediator, and mankind, and that is, to mankind, and that's Jesus Christ. God has provided the only way back to him, but you must make a choice. That's our response to receive Christ. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask all of you to bow your heads. For those that know this, you can pray with me already. But we're going to help all those online and here today to just bring themselves to that place of life and peace. Heavenly Father, I admit, I, admit. I, have I have a need. I'm a sinner. I'm, a sinner. I'm willing to turn away from my sin. To turn towards you. Because you're the only answer. The only answer. I believe that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ died, on the cross, died on the cross, rose from the grave, from the grave and, by faith, and by faith I received the gift of salvation. Through this prayer, God, I invite you, Jesus Christ, to be my Lord and Savior, to help me, to move forward, to honor you. And I say amen to that. Hallelujah. That ends our message today. And I hope that you receive some insight about why the Word of God is important and that God has chosen you, beloved to give you something pretty amazing. It's hope and assurance. You are not alone. May God go with you this day. May he bless you with his presence. May he make you aware that his presence is everywhere. Amen? Amen. God bless.